<laughs> All right, here we go. To P Radio. The monkey only dead. Welcome. On. Here we go. Welcome to P3 Radio. The monkey only dances as good as the guy grinding the organ handle. Give a lesson. We're coming for you, baby. <laughs> that was my moment of I carried a watermelon. And if you're going to call me back tomorrow, whatever I do. You better believe I took my turn a little bit. <laughs> what? Cool story, bro. PG3 Radio. Nope. Here's your host, Josh Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, next up we have crying little blonde children. Richard Mulligan. I don't know. Is this making any sense to anybody out there? It's showtime! It's showtime! It's showtime! Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of P3 Radio. I'm Richard Mulligan, joined by my co-host and best friend, Josh Briley. Say hey, Josh. I still love that. Every time you do that, <laughs> and best friend. You get chills. I, uh, I feel it going up my spine. You little pop tent in my sweatpants. Yeah. yeah. Pop tent in the sweatpants. Yeah. yeah. It's like I can stir soup with it, you know? It's that big. <laughs> in a in a stew pot. <laughs> Play a game of hide the, hide the towel with the old lady. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of being excited, we, we're excited. We got a big interview this, this week. What do we have on, Josh? This week, we have none other than Kid Cash of yes. ECW, WWF, and a little bit of WCW fame. Yeah. And that was going to be a question I'm going to ask him, because I had no clue that he was even in WCW at all. Right. So that was kind of a surprise to see that. But we're going to have him up and talk to him for a little while. We don't know how long, because we haven't done that interview yet. We, we like to do these little pre-interview recordings before we actually do the interview. Kind of putting good juju on yeah. the whole thing. Like, gives us hope that it's going to go well. And then and that way, if it doesn't go well, we don't re- we don't record something bitter and argumentative at the front. And <laughs> we've week, never we got, done that. We've no. never done that. <laughs> if, if, if you're thinking that, we've never done that. Yeah. Uh, I've deleted a few things from some people that might have stood us up in the past. But that's just because, you know, we might have sounded like this space. right here. <laughs> and it wasn't Spellbinder. I know that sounded a lot like an older Spellbinder. It wasn't. Same demographic, I guess. But anyways. Let's give him the golden shovel. Let's just bury ourselves now. <laughs> but we're excited. We've got we've got Kid Cash on. We're excited to, t- to talk to him. We've been trying to get a hold of him for a while. And finally, we touched base with him. We've got him. We're going to have that interview up right now after these words from... Score Big. Score Big is the leading online marketplace for tickets to sports, concerts, theater, and family events. ScoreBig allows you to purchase last-minute tickets to sold-out events. Also, the latest on sales of popular artists, teams, and productions. They'll get you in. They safeguard your transaction with a 100% money-back guarantee under a secure checkout with interactive seat maps to guide your purchase. And whether it's an Atlanta Braves game, Metallica concert, or a WWE event, they've got you covered. Book your seats now at tinyurl.com slash p3events. That's tinyurl.com slash p3events. Yo, man, come to Florida. We got all of the sights you've been wanting to be seeing, man. Come to SeaWorld. Free your willy, man. Come to Legoland. Everything is awesome. 
you can come to Universal Studios. Get your Marty McFly on, man. You hear the trash can drums, man. Josh. I love it. Josh, Josh what are you what are you doing, man? Huh? What are you, what are you doing? This isn't Jamaica. This is Florida. What? I heard the trash can drums and I just got excited. Well, I'm they're sorry. called steel drums and everything you else you pretty much said was okay, but we want to say also that if you book with Florida Ticket Station, your tickets are guaranteed by the state of Florida to be valid. So your vacation will be on point and where it needs to be the right way. So go right now to Florida Ticket Station by visiting them at tinyurl.com p3florida and book your Florida trip today. That's tinyurl.com slash p3floridaman. Once again, it's Florida, not Jamaica. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson from Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard, and you're listening to P3 Radio. Welcome back to more P3 Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now on the P3 Hotline, we have from ECW, TNA Wrestling, WWE, Wrestling Superstar, Kid Cash. Cash, man, thanks for being on with us on P3 Radio today. Yeah, my pleasure. How are you? Doing great, man. How's it going with you? Oh, couldn't be better. Life's great. You know, our paths have almost crossed a couple of times, you know. When I first started wrestling, I did a fan spot in NWA TNA where Brian Christopher beat me up and pulled me out. And I think like a week or two later, you debuted. And when I started doing Memphis wrestling, we were in this angle with Spellbinder and Kevin White and all these guys. We were like in suits. And we were going to do this big uh, this big thing at Redbird Stadium. And I was, I was psyched because I was like, oh, Kid Cash is going to be there. I'll finally get to meet him. And then at the last minute, they said, okay, we don't need you guys. <laughs> so I was like, man, come on. <laughs> so our paths uh, have almost cost, crossed a couple times. So we're glad to have you here, man. Uh, finally get to talk to you. Um, thank you. I'm uh, <laughs> glad to be on. <laughs> <laughs> How did you go about getting into the business? Uh, just a chance meeting with some guys uh, uh, back home where I, where I lived in uh, Waynesboro, Virginia. That's where I'm from. And... Uh, I was in the gym, and uh, there was actually a wrestling event uh, going on in my hometown. And I mean, I was always, you know, I liked, I was a wrestling fan and watched it. You know, I grew up on like the NWA, some a little bit of Georgia Championship wrestling and stuff. And uh, some of the wrestlers were in there, the Road Warriors, uh, Tim Horner, and a bunch of them. Well, the promoter came in, and everybody kept looking at me, and they kept saying, "Man, you look like Brian Pillman." You look like Brian Tillman so much. And then a couple of people were saying, you look like Owen Hart, too, you know. So, right. like, you know, you're fit, you know, you're athletic and stuff. And, you know, back then I was, you know, into boxing and martial arts and wrestling and, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, like right. collegiate high school wrestling. So, uh, you know, they were like, why don't you come down and check it out? So I went down and checked it out. The Rock and Roll Express was on the, the show. And, uh, you know, Ricky Morton just kind of really hit it off you know and we we sat back in the, the dressing room and talked pretty much the entire show until he had to go out and you know and work and stuff but I, you know just being around the guys that i had seen on tv growing up you know they're sitting there the road warriors and you know there's the rock and roll express and tim right. horner you know just a bunch of the guy i couldn't believe that these guys were here and they were all actually very cool you know and laid back and uh, uh road warrior hawk 
Bombay, uh, I dipped a Copenhagen off of me. <laughs> and, he took me like, and like I had just bought the can before I got to the to the building, and uh, it was fresh. So I think I had just one dip out of it. And he takes the whole entire can and shoves it in his mouth. And uh, I just like, saved my life, brother. <laughs> and I was like, okay, glad I could do that, you know. But there was like three shows in a row, so I went back the next night to hang out with Ricky again because he invited me back, you know. And, um, we, we were just, you know, having a good time and talking, and me and Ricky Morton just really hit it off. I called Ricky on my lunch break one day. I asked him, I was like, you know, were you serious about that? you know, me coming down and, you know, you working with me and getting me started. And he was like, absolutely. He goes, you get to Tennessee and I got you from there. I had a geostorm and I went to my apartment, called my mother, my sister and brother. And they came over and I was like, take anything you want. I don't care what you take. Just don't leave anything in the place. You know, (laughs) I was a dreamer, you know, growing up, you know, I always wondered what it was like being in another state, you know, in another country. And, you know, I was like one of those guys, so right. I, I felt like this could possibly be the opportunity, you know, and, you know, my dad said, if you always, you know, if something grabs you, then don't ever let it go, you know, you always got to find out where it's going to, where it's going to lead you, you know, so I just took the chance, and uh, I got in the car, and drove all the way down to Tennessee that same day, and uh, met up with Ricky, and they took me to Elizabeth in Tennessee, where there was uh, a big farmhouse and uh crystal jacobs who married glenn jacobs it was her house and a bunch of us wrestlers stayed there because uh smoky mountain wrestling oh was, the smoky mountain uh, flop house as jericho called it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well there's the two houses there was one there was an apartment building in morristown and then there was the house in elizabethan right so there was a couple of different places for people to stay i was with the, you know the glenn jacobs he lived there uh, I think uh, D'Lo Brown stayed there a little bit. Nice. Uh, Anthony Michaels, you know, a bunch of guys from out of state, you know, right. they came down to for smoking, you know. We went on the road for a week. That was like for real. We, you know, we just <laughs> woke up the next morning and he was like, your car run pretty good? And I was like, yeah. He goes, good, we're taking it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, Josh, just so you know, as a as a rookie coming in, Every veteran oh, yeah. will ask you that question. How's your car run? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. we're going to take it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, I've had the chance to meet Ricky uh, when he came in for, like, Bill Dundee was one of my trainers, uh, him and Kevin well, White. Well, and Bill. So, so, so Bill would run these fair towns, like, like in Jackson, where we're from, he would run a mm. fair show every year, and he brought Ricky in. And Ricky was one of the coolest, one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Uh, so like such a yes. human being. Uh, I mean, like you see that a- rock and roll Sp- express gimmick, and you're like, um, you know, it's very close to him. He's just that cool, <laughs> that laid back. He actually yeah. didn't know me from Adam, and come up afterwards, and he goes, "Big guy." You tore it down with this move. Try this next time. I'm like, you're Ricky Morton. Why are you even taking the time for me? But that that shows you how cool he was. Well, yeah. I mean, he he never met me in his entire life, and you know, and I just walked into the dress. Of course, he wasn't at the gym whenever I was there with the other wrestlers, but <laughs> he was at the building, and you know, I was really impressed at the moment because the Road Warriors, you know, right in the gym, I you know working out with the guys and talking to them, and they were just so cool and. And when I got to the building, you know, they invited me to come down and, 
You know, the promoter was even like, yeah, I got a wrestling school. And I just kept telling him, man, I'm not going to pay you to train me, you know. <laughs> and to be honest, I never paid anybody to train me ever. It was just I was athletic anyway. I already had a wrestling background. And everything just came pretty easy, you know. Right. And plus, I had Ricky, you know, showing me the, the, the slower, old-school way, you know, work the crowd more than you'd work the match, you know. Right. But about that time in that era, the high-flying ECW, all this stuff was coming out. You know, people were paying more attention to the Mexican wrestlers and uh, paying more attention to the uh, the Japanese wrestlers. You know, high-flying was really in. So, you know, he, he kept telling me, he was like, you have the physique, you have the height, you have the speed. You know, you should start, you know, integrating some high-flying in with this old-school wrestling. Because... Even back then, you know, the, the veterans would say nobody even works an arm anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, everybody just so, grab a headlock, just grab something. Right, you know, and he was right because yeah. I would look around and I noticed that times were changing, and he was always preaching to me. You know, you got to change with the times. One one time up in uh, back in Virginia, doing a fair show, uh, Greg Valentine, something happened and he wasn't going to make it, so Wahoo McDaniel's needed somebody to work. And that's who I wrestled my first match. Wahoo wow. McDaniels. Oh, God. <laughs> and he beat the piss out of me. <laughs> so you're saying it wasn't a high-flying affair? No, it wasn't at all. <laughs> and what it was, he was already kind of agitated because yeah. he, you know, he got this new guy that this is going to be his first fucking match. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even though Ricky was talking good shit about me and stuff, you know, um, it didn't matter to him, you know, he was just that old school and he was like, what, you know, fuck, all right, let's do this shit. <laughs> he starts talking carny to me and Ricky hadn't taught me any carny yet. I kept saying, huh? <laughs> and he, would like, he would stop what he was doing and just look at me and he was be like, did you just say, huh? And then slap me right in the face. And wow. <laughs> yeah, he was like brutal, dude. And then, uh, but, even though I had a martial arts background, I was a wrestler. I mean, I, my instincts were to fight back. <laughs> you know what I'm but Ricky kept, you know, you got to respect the right. veterans. Always respect the veterans and blah, blah, blah. But he didn't tell me that if they start beating on you, it's okay to beat them back, you right. know, because they'll probably stop. And then they'll actually show you some respect after that. You know, you guys know about the wrestling business and the level of respect, you know, between the veterans and the you know, the younger guys and the, exactly. you know, right. and all that stuff, you know? So, yeah, he, uh, he, he said it a couple more times and, and I just kept saying, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he was getting so mad. I was watching his face just turn colors. And, uh, I think the match was supposed to have been like 20 minutes or something like 15 or 20 minutes. I think it was about a, seven or eight minutes match and, <laughs> and he put me up in the turnbuckle and he was going to chop me and he just looked at me and he says boy if I was you I'd blow all my air out right now and the dumbest thing I ever did in my whole entire life uh, still to this day I looked at him and I says what? <laughs> <laughs> and, I was waiting on it I was so hoping that was going to be the payoff there yeah, and, uh, he, you know he used to do the overhand chop you know oh. on the turnbuckle we would only do the, the side chop off the ropes. And uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched Wahoo, but Wahoo never, chops never made a loud smacking sound. They, no. 
I bet they, they made always, a thud, though. It was always a silent freaking thump, and, uh, <laughs> and there's a reason why. His hands were so big. They were huge. And when he came in, he was a big man. I don't know if you guys ever knew, but he was probably a 260 walking around town guy. You know what I mean? Right. And he came down, brother. He hit me on my chest. He swear to you, he stopped my lung. You know, it just, it blew, it knocked every bit of breath out of me. And uh, I dropped to my knees and I'm going, <laughs> you know, trying to, get, trying to get the breath back. <laughs> And I seen these white moccasins walk around me in a big circle. <laughs> and he kicked me so freaking hard, like right in my liver. And, uh, yeah, but, it, I, you know, it brought my air back, and of course. But it, it so bruised my freaking liver, you know. So I, I rolled over my back, and he fucking uh, put me in a spinning toe hold. And he sprang, he didn't break it, but he sprung my ankle like real. Oh. He pinned me and. That was it. And he looked down at me. He says, welcome to the business, kid. Went back to the dressing room. And um, I, I was kind of fuming at that point. You know, yeah. I was kind of embarrassed and shit, you know. And Ricky Walkway says, why the fuck did you let him do that to you? You know, you <laughs> I've seen you. You're tough. You can fight back. He might whip the ass. He goes, but at least, you know, he'll respect you when it's all over, you know. And I was like, well, I thought he was just my freaking veteran. I'm supposed to respect He said, yeah, right. but you're not supposed to beat your ass. <laughs> I was like, Oh, really? I didn't know it was like that. Right. Know? Well, looking back on it now, as a veteran yourself, what do you think about that now with those older wrestlers that used to take liberties with the young guys? I mean, to me, in this day and age, it's very taboo to do something like that. But even back then, well, when I first yeah. broke into the business, I was like, man, that kind of seems kind of a little stiff, you know? I want y'all to do me a favor. If you ever uh, interview Josh Matthews, Love I to. want you to ask him who broke him in the business. We we used to work, I I don't know if you remember when the XWF came out Jimmy yes. Hart yeah that stuff okay uh, they brought J uh, Josh Matthews in fresh off of that whole what was it tough enough or tough something? enough yeah uh, yeah fresh off of that and um, dude <laughs> you know the kid was he, he he honestly he didn't have a big hit or anything like that but you know nobody wanted him to get a big hit you know he was a tv star you know mm -hmm. i was on a wrestling fucking show you know that kind of thing so right. they, i had to i worked this kid like every freaking show we did pretty much uh through the whole entire xwf tours and um i beat the living piss out of that kid <laughs> I, lie to you. I mean i i left his skin when i chopped him i mean the skin was peeling off of it i mean I chopped him in the back. I, you know, I, I gave him probably a 50% punch instead of a 20% punch. You know, I mean, and the only reason why I did it is because it was done to me every fucking match for right. years. You know, but it, I understood why. It humbles you. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, it, it puts you on the right path to let you know that you know what if you can make it through all of this and learn the proper way to wrestle, you know, instead of just doing a spot after spot after spot, but actually really, truly wrestle, you know, like, you know, and that's what the veterans look for, you know, like if you can tell a story, if you can work the crowd, if you can work the match and the crowd and the ref and the opponent and still make him look like a million bucks. Right. You know, that, that's true working, you know. So it, it, it just, with the beatings and, you know, and stuff like that, you earned your respect. 
and along the way, you learned the, mo- the absolute proper way of wrestling, what a real match is all about, you know. So it humbled you to respect it. You, you right. understand? Right. It, it humbled you in that way. Well, you so know, you I meant... You did forever, you know, but... Right. Uh, you know, the probably another guy that was really rough was uh, Greg Valentine. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I wrestled him a few times over the years, and I, if I wrestled him right now, the guy would be rough. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there were some guys that were just stiff, and I believe that was the case with a lot of these old school guys, you know, the veterans back in my day. Um, I think Wahoo was just such an old school wrestler. He was just stiff. On top of that, he had to wrestle a fucking new, new fucking green kid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so I mean, and you, yeah, I mean, I, I, from what I hear, I don't really keep up with wrestling as near as much as what me people think that I do. Right. Uh, I retired back in 215. You know what I'm saying? So I never really kept up with wrestling even while I was in it. The only right. time I kept up with is when I would watch the show back, watch my match, and then. That was it. <laughs> that was right. Well, you know, you mentioned like Wahoo taking and beating you up a little bit. And some of that too comes from, you don't want to be the veteran that has to tr- trust the rookie to sell for you. You want to, if you're going to lay it in, you're going to lay it in. And I mentioned right. that whole TNA thing where Brian had brought me in. Brian Christopher brought me in and he, he yeah. asked my trainer, he was like, Hey, how long's that guy been training? He was like about two months, and I was working under a mask at the time. And he was like, "Great, so nobody's seen his face." No, I've got this fan spot I want to do with him. Great, so they tell me they put me in the front row, and they say, "When when I come out, you make sure you're in the front row." And he goes, "I'm gonna hit you with a right." I had some fake blood in my in my hand, and which Brian called chicken blood. <laughs> and uh, Brian said, "I'm gonna give you a good right. I'm gonna you're gonna push me." And when you push me, I'm going to punch you and pull you over the guardrail, and you're going to squirt the blood on you. I'm going to beat you up and what, blah, 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 blah. So I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be just like wrestling training. So I'm sitting in the front row. He comes out. He spits his gum at me. I push him, and he hits me so hard that oh, yeah. I just – I forgot where I was. I forget – like, my glasses flew off. I was wearing glasses at the time. My glasses flew off. Like, I couldn't eat solid foods for two days. And I remember we were in the ride ho- – we were on the ride home because, you know, I had the good car. He's riding with me, kid. Uh, he's like, he's telling me, he's like, you know how I did that? I took my pinky out. And if you take your pinky out, it makes it softer. I'm like, oh, great. That's wonderful, Brian. <laughs> I'll take my pinky out next time I punch somebody in the face. You know what a lot of people don't understand about that? I'm sure you do now. Right. But when you're in front of that crowd. Oh, yeah. That close. You, you, you have no other choice. You got to lay it in. You got to. You have to. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and honestly, when you're in the ring, I mean, look how close the front row is to the ring. I mean, oh, you yeah. got about what five, five or six feet. That's about it. You know, between the ring and the and the, the railing. So, I mean, even the front row people can tell if something's laid in or not. We were talking with Mikey Whipwreck last week, and we were talking about um, when he got hit with that Sandman cane. And we asked oh, him, yeah. we were like, how stiff was that cane? And he Hard. said, yeah, and that's what he's, he paused for like a good like three seconds. We're like, how stiff is that cane? And it was like, it was stiff. And we joked <laughs> that he was having like one of these like Credence Clearwater uh, revival Vietnam flashbacks while that music played <laughs> in his head. <laughs> and yeah. Every time he hears Inner Sandman, he has like an epileptic. Yeah, kick. like he has a flashback anytime he hears Metallica. <laughs> 
but, well, but I've been hit with that cane by him uh, on a number of occasions and by Justin Credible. Brother, those canes ain't no joke. No. I mean, I've been Justin split me open a few times. Uh, Sandman left a freaking knot on my head that le- that got fucking rock solid hard. <laughs> and was like on my head for like over a month. I was like worried I was I had a tumor or something, you know. It's not but a tumor. It, it's not but a tumor. It, it, it just finally came down. Uh, Rob Van Dam's like, take about twelve hundred milligrams of ibuprofen uh, every like six hours. I'm like for real. He goes, yeah, yeah. Just and I was like, for how long? He goes, just keep doing it till it goes away. So that's what I did. So I was doing that shit for like two or three weeks. I've heard before that your first pair of wrestling boots were Ricky Morton's first pair of wrestling boots that he gave you. Do you still have them? I do not. No, they, I broke my leg, uh, back in 97. Right. And uh, when I went to the hospital, they cut my, they cut the boots off. Oh, damn. Made me sick. Yeah. And believe it or not, um, the outfit I had on was, uh, I don't know if it was his, one of his first ones, but it was like uh, the, the red ones with the white fringe down the side with the boot covers with the fringe on the side. And stuff. Right. Because he gave me the entire set, you know. And uh, But I know he wrestled the Russians for the World Tag Team titles. Oh. And like one of the Starcade pay-per-views in those tights, you know. Wow. So Yeah, so in one, one, one night I broke my leg and, they cut the tights all the way up to the crotch oh. and uh, all the way down to the other leg. So they just completely gutted the inside. And then they cut the boot. Even though I was yelling at them, do not cut the fucking boot. <laughs> <laughs> they, they cut the boot anyway, man. They, you know, so they you cut know, it right on. You know, it's amazing how much old gear gets recycled from the veterans to the rookies. When I first started, like I said, I was in the Memphis Territory. We had Fantasia or Spellbinder, and the old gear he had, the Spellbinder gear, um, and I know him now. Dell's like one of my friends, and he's like, hey, bro, you need some good gear. Uh, Here, wear this. I love Dell to death. He's such a great guy. Well, he threw me, if you ever watched his WWE debut as Fantasio, the the gimmick he had on with the tights, with the – he throw those to me and I'm like, I'm look, I'm looking at him. I'm like, dude, I'm six, three and tubby. Do you think I'm going to look good in these? <laughs> and I wore them. They did not look good. It did not flatter me at all, but dude, um, uh, I, at one time, shit, I, I had, I used to run with a guy named Eddie golden. I don't know if you guys know him, but he used to, he was, he was a uh, man. He's a phenomenal wrestler. I just don't understand. This this guy was just so happy, just such a happy kind of a guy, you know, still is. But he was more the family kind of guy, you know, one of the family and the wife and all that stuff instead of right. being on the road so much. And, but the Indies, were, were that that was his, you know, his weekend getaway, and that he was satisfied with that. But I learned so much stuff off of that guy because we were wrestling throughout the East Tennessee area for, God, three or four years, man, just me and him, you know, going at it. Uh, but him, he, he came in through Jimmy Golden. And oh, yeah. um, so they tag teamed a lot. Me and Ricky tag teamed a lot. So we were just always working each other, you know, in some way, shape, or form. But he 
got me into all this boot trading and tight trading and stuff. <laughs> and one time, I mean, I had like some, I like I had a pair of Tojo Yamamoto's tights. <laughs> That's awesome. I couldn't wear them, of course, but I, but whenever the, I found them, they were in the dressing room down in Arkansas or something like that. And, and he was like, oh, my God. He goes, man, if I had 50 bucks, I'd get them right now. And I'm like, well, I'll get them here, you know. And I wound up keeping them, and then I wound up selling them on eBay. <laughs> you know what's funny? You know what's funny is, like, when you have those tights and then you give them back. or Because I gave back Dell's tights to uh, Kevin. So yeah. I, gave, I gave those tights back, and then, like, a few years later, they resurfaced on the indie circuit that I was on. And, I'm, and in my back of my mind, I'm like, this guy has my tights, <laughs> but they're I, not my tights. <laughs> dude, I'll tell you a really hilarious story. Uh, back in the day, I can't remember where Eddie got the boots. He got them from, I think, Tim Horner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were red and black, and they had a white star on the side of them. And Eddie got them. I, those boots were already like 10 years old when he got them. <laughs> right. So we put he put new soles on them. And he wore them for probably about a year, and I needed some new boots, you know, after mine got, you know, cut off. I needed some new boots once I came back to work. Right. And um, so he was like, here, Dave. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll sell you these for $35. So I bought them for $35, and I wore those boots for, like, God, a long time, probably about five or six years, you know. <laughs> and um, I wound up giving, doing the same thing, giving them away in the dressing room, you know, whenever I started making it bigger, you know, to the more bigger you know, companies and stuff, right. I would give them away to, you know, uh, uh, you know, this dude there in the dressing room in East Tennessee, probably what, 15 years go by after this. And in 2015, I was down in Johnson's well, Kingsport on my retirement match. I'm looking in the damn dressing room. And I look over and there's this brand new kid that, you know, I'd, I'd never heard of, never seen before, but he'd only been the business a year. You ain't gonna believe what he was wearing. He was wearing those fucking boots. <laughs> Swear to God, he was wearing the boots. That's I, awesome. I didn't come to find out Eddie Golden had wound up, um, because I made it to the WWE and you know and all that stuff, Eddie right. wound up those boots back, and he just kept them. And then uh, just one day, I guess he liked that kid and wound up selling the, I think, for 35 bucks again <laughs> to the kid. You know? I looked over and said, where'd you get those boots at? I was like, they look really familiar. And um, he was like, and the way I could tell, because there was like a, a, a dye stain on one, <laughs> on one of the stars. Right. And it was the far left corner of one of the stars at the point, and it was pink. It was a little, it was like three little dots of pink. <laughs> so I, I pulled the boots. I was like, let me see them damn boots. So I started looking at them. I swear to God, it was those boots. Still has and your name on the tag. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I was like, where'd you get these boots? He goes, Oh, I bought them from Eddie Gold and I was like, I'll be damned. Just a crazy, you know, I mean, what, those boots are probably twenty five years old now. Yeah, it's and it was that day you realized Eddie Golden had this this epic boot rental pro- policy that lasted <laughs> three years. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, they they, they looked like they had been around quite a while, you know. They they need, need yeah, the toes need need some work, but they're, they're still. I mean, the 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 stock part looks great still. <laughs> well, you mentioned ECW, and I've, I've got to ask because the first time I saw you, it was on ECW. It was like really late at night because ECW came on here in Jackson at like one in the morning on a Friday night. Uh, yeah, back then it did. It came yeah. on FS uh, FSN or something yeah. like that. 
Yeah, so we would, we were epic fans of ECW, so we would stay up and we would hit record at 12 just in case we fell asleep so we could watch the end of the show. And, awesome. and you were uh, wrestling under the name of David Tyler Morton Jericho. And I thought that was so cool at the time because I'm like, all right, so that's a cool gimmick. And, you know, I was, I was still pretty young. I was early teens. But who came up with that name? <clears throat> well, and, uh, I, honestly, I don't want to tell you who came up with the name, but I didn't even know what they were going to call me until I got to the ring. <laughs> and uh, that's the moment. I mean, seriously, because when I first went to ECW back in uh, 95 to 90, no, it was 96 to 97, I was David Jericho then. That was that was it. But then I left. I wound up breaking my leg. I flew, came back from a weekend of wrestling for ECW, we were off the next weekend, so I did an indie show, and I wound up breaking my leg real bad. Right. So I was out for like almost a year. So I went oh. back in like 98. But uh, when I went back in 98, they were trying to figure out what to call me. And uh, so I don't know if you don't remember, we went through the Davey Pazano with Leo. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then they were like, we need to just come up with something original, something good. I was like, all right. And I was like, about Davey Morton. And they was like, no, you know what? As much as I respect Ricky Morton, you know what? You're two different wrestlers, and I I just would rather you not use his name. And I'm like, okay. And then uh, so somebody uh, came up. What about Tyler? Tyler's a cool name. No, can't use that because Sandman's son's name is Tyler, and we use him in a gimmick right. uh, And I was like, okay. Davey Morton, Tyler, what, what, I mean, I don't know, Jericho, you don't want to use it now, because after you left, Chris came in and really made a big impact, and then he went to WCW, Right. so let's use Jericho, I'm like, okay, I was like, well, how about just use my name, Cash, and they were like, yep, we'll use that, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so my music starts playing, I get to the ring, and next thing you know, Ladies and gentlemen, Davey Morton, Tyler Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're the second person in, a, in in two weeks in a row because Mikey was on, like I said, two weeks ago, and he said that he got a little heat because they introduced him, Mikey Whipwreck. And he said, nobody told me that was going to be my name. And they kept introducing me. He's like, Paul, he walks down. He's like, why aren't you going to the ring? And he's like, I, I am I supposed to? And he's like, you're Mikey Whipwreck. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what's funny, and I hate to make this all about my first wrestling experience, but my first wrestling match, uh, Lawler's other son, uh, Kevin Lawler, was doing was doing the announcing, and he was like, "Hey, where are you from, kid?" And I thought it was kind of cool to say the annexed city of Bemis because I'm from Bemis, Tennessee, and it's a little city that got annexed. And I was like, "The annexed city of Bemis," and he looks at me. He's like, like with an eyebrow up, and I'm like, is that too weird? And he's like, no, no, it's perfect. So I'm like, okay. So I get out there, and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, from the NX city of Venus. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> Kevin's awesome. I've yeah. always loved Kevin's man. He's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were around <laughs> during the time period of mass transit. And that whole incident, what was oh, the attitude like, you know, backstage with the guys? I mean, did they think it was like a, you know, a happening or was it just business as usual? We knew, well, I mean, the, the, 
I've told I've been asked this <laughs> so many times. The the kid was already arrogant as hell. I mean, he he showed up just kind of like coming to the back door, you know, and he comes in and I think they gave him a little tryout or was going to give him a tryout, but things were just going really slow that day. So he didn't get the tryout. They were just going to go in and put him on because he's a big kid, you know? Right. And, um, so they came up with, uh, which couldn't, couldn't have been the the worst person to put him with, of course, his new Jack and Mustafa. So, <laughs> But as soon as he found out that he had a match with New Jack and Mustafa, you know, even a match period, he was already his his attitude completely changed. He went from being Mr. Humble Pie to almost kind of like trying to be one of the boys, you know. And right. then then he found out he was working, you know, the gangsters, and then he <laughs> his, the, he just his head just rarely went at that time. And I don't know if you ever heard the reasoning why, but he was he just literally walked right on up to New Jack. And uh, was like, uh, hey, man, uh, you know, I got these spots, you know, whenever you're ready, we can go over them and stuff, you know. And it was just kind of like calling the match and shit, you know. <laughs> and, uh, propping his feet up on the tables. And then, like, only body that smoked in the dressing room was saying that. That was it, you know. And, and he generally got up and went outside, you know. I mean, he might smoke one or two you know, in the building, but generally it was all outside. But this kid started firing up a cigarette, oh. <laughs> you know, walked up to New Jack two or three times. He goes, hey, uh, you know, he would tell him a spot and then be like, hey, you got it right. You got it right. Well, we all, you know, anybody that was sitting around, we we're, we're like, oh, shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but New Jack is always so forgiving and easygoing. With <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, we were not even thinking that it was going to get to the ring. You know, we were oh. thinking it was going to happen in the dressing room. Right. You know? And, uh, but it, it, I don't know, New Jack was in, I guess, a different mood than what he normally would have been in. Uh, got him out there in the ring, dude. And, I mean, from the word go lockup, he just went right straight to him. He made Mustafa look over and was like, damn, brother. <laughs> you know. <laughs> to his credit, I heard New Jack tried to call a spot and the kid said, huh? you know of course it was a bad situation you know nothing right. like that is is ever you know cool but to us after watching how he was acting all day long you know the things he was saying the things he was talking about you know and all this stuff and you know telling new jack you know his you know his family was going to be there, you know, he wants to get this spot in, you know, this oh. kind of shit. Just that you don't do, you know, yeah. and just be common knowledge, really, you know, you know, to people, but some people just never get it, you know, but I, whenever it happened, when we're watching the monitor in the back, and at first, you know, you can't really tell, because back then, the monitors were a little grainy, you know, so, uh, and so was the whole show, right. <laughs> you know, which is on TV. But whenever he was watching on the monitor, the kid was on, you know, kind of like face down, and Knee Jack pulled his head up and, you know, did it. You couldn't really tell at that moment. But when the kid put his head, and it was funny because the kid was selling, legitimately selling. You know, he was like actually doing a good job, you know, selling, <laughs> screaming, and stuff like that. Right. When he put his when he put his head back down, that's when you could see how bad it was because it wasn't dripping down it was running down you know it was 
collecting a big puddle real quick. And the kid was just like, kind of like, oh, 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 yeah, oh, you know, doing all this stuff. And he looks down and then he stops. He looks, he feels his head. He looks at his hand. He looks at the puddle and then he just loses it. Wow. Like the fucking loses it. I mean, we could hear him screeching like, you know, female, you know, volume type, you know, <laughs> all the way in the dressing room. Wow. Over over a crowd, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, and just I don't know. Like I said, it wasn't a it wasn't a good thing for the business or or anybody, you know. But it happened, and that's sometimes that's just the nature of the beast in certain places of the world. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, as I was doing my research, uh, you know, I we always send out a thing that says, "Hey, if you have questions, send them in." Whatever. Uh, a friend of mine sent in a question and said, hey, ask him about WCW. And I said, I don't think he was ever in WCW. But when I started doing my research, uh, I yeah. looked it up and it said you were at the last Thunder right before the promotion was purchased. Did you have a deal with WCW or was it like a show by show? And if so, did you know that they were about to be sold? I didn't know. Nobody knew. Nobody, not one person knew. Uh, not even management up until the day it happened. Yeah, uh, I was actually, I was night to night for about a month. Just uh, they were bringing me to the build, to the shows, and a couple of nights I would wrestle on a dark match, and then some nights I would just sit there. But they were paying me regardless, you know. Wow. And then I did the uh, the thunder, and as soon as I walked out of the ring and through the curtain, John Laurinaitis stood right there and he gave me a contract. And uh, he goes, here, kid, take this, you know, to your lawyer. Let your lawyer see it. Let your girlfriend see it. Check it out. See if it fits you. If you like it, sign it. If not, give me a call. I'm like, okay. So I took it home. I took it to my lawyer, did everything. We we liked it. You know, I called uh, Jimmy Hart, who was helping me out at the time. Uh, right. I lot. got his advice and stuff. And uh, so I went on ahead and signed it, sent it in, got processed. Went to the next show and uh, didn't do anything, sat in the back, flew me home. They sent me a packet for, was it, I think it was Pensacola. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it was Pensacola. Yeah. Um, but I, no, Panama City. I'm sorry, yeah. Panama City. Was uh, that that big club? But, yeah. Club no, La Vila. Was, club La Vila. Yeah, it was actually, we were going to be out, the rings were going to be in the middle of water or something, mm -hmm. you know, in like, it's like ponds or something. But, uh, yeah, so they, I got my packet. Uh, I had my flight and everything like that. And the, the day before I was leaving, uh, John Laurinaitis called me. He goes, hey, kid, just stay at home on this one. Uh, I'll be calling you back on Monday. Uh, things just took a drastic turn to this morning. Um, you're still signed. Don't worry about it. I'll call you. And I'm like, okay. So I set it out, and I actually, you know, watched TV that night. That's whenever I found out the wow. whole thing. And, and honestly, nobody in that back knew about it. Nobody. Wow. So immediately I went uh, to work for XWF, and I signed a contract with those guys. That was uh, actually it was through the Home Shopping Network, QVC. And um, with that, it was they uh, Jimmy got me a good deal, <laughs> like a no compete. And the, we did like I think ten shows period for the XWF and um, we just didn't do anymore but I stayed under contract for another two years wow 
Yeah, so I was getting paid every week, you know, a really nice deal for for another two years. And then right right with that, I wound up going to TNA, too. So I was getting a TNA check and a home shopping network. <laughs> so you were getting paid basically from the home shopping network. Yeah, that's that's, what it was. that's yeah. awesome. So did you did you ever like have one of those late nights where you're like watching Home Shopping Network and going, "Come on, call in, buy those pants, motherfuckers. Let's do this." No. <laughs> Honestly, I can't stand those damn shows. I, no. I like can't see what people get hooked on them. You know, I'm just like, what two years later, I got a call from Jimmy. He goes, "Hey, baby, how you doing?" I was like, "I'm doing great." And he was like, "Listen, baby." He goes, I just want to let you give you a heads up. You know, you're going to be uh, probably only going to get a few more of those, and then they're just going to quit, you know, because we haven't produced anything. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. You good with that? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with this tool. I understand. And he's like, okay. Like, what else could he expect? Was you going to be like, motherfucker, Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I still had another year left on the contract. Right. Yeah, so I could have, you know, gotten pissy about it if I wanted to, but I was. Shit, I didn't work. I didn't do a damn thing. I mean, I did right. shows. I worked uh, for, did absolutely nothing for two years, you know, for the company. And, you know, I was getting a free paycheck. And it was a nice one. You know, I mean, it wasn't right. like a look. It was a nice check, you know. And then plus going to work for TNA, you know, getting that one. I was, you know, it was a pretty good little little run I was going on there. It would have been funny, though, if you would have turned on QVC and found out they were selling these $20 pants for like $400 just because your contract. <laughs> you could you could buy this printer for only 17 payments of seventy nine ninety five. Yeah, really. What would you say is the best rib that you've ever beaver? Excuse me. Beaver, got, yes. You ever beaver? Yeah. What would you say is the best rib that you've either been a part of or that you just heard about? There was a one time I was in, we were in ECW, and remember Fonzie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, he, when he got drunk, brother, he went all out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did he still have the whistle, or <laughs> he put that up? No, he put it up after the show, but he he, he was just kidding. Man, that, that dude could go when it comes to partying. I'm not kidding you, man. But he would go all night long. And um, so anyway, we're all clubbing it out and stuff like that. We had a pay-per-view, you know, at the Hammerstein. Uh, we're just doing a um, – just hitting some clubs and stuff like that, having a few drinks, relaxing, celebrating a little bit, you know. And uh, we went to – what was it called? I think it was called Mars. The place was red. All the tables were red. There was red dust on the floor. It was just kind of crazy, you know. And uh, come to find out, though, I mean, there was a bunch of you know hot hot girls and stuff, and you know, girls were talking to us, you know, because of the pay per view and stuff. And I think they played it at that pay per view at that bar that night too, so people knew who we were coming in. Right. And so we were, you know, all hooking up and everything like that, you know. And, bunch of us were like hungry to go eat and stuff so we're all pot piling into these cabs and stuff like that trying to get downtown and uh there was this chick she was like very insistent <laughs> you know to jump in with us so she jumped in with us but it come to it was what it was it was uh what do you call it? i guess a transvestite <laughs> she had a kickstand yeah we call them but, transgender now <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> one, of the, one of the girls actually, you know, from, I think, who was it? Uh, Donna. Uh, yeah, Alexa. Don Marie. Don Marie. Yeah. 
No, Electra. Her oh, name, her yeah, name, yeah. I, she was the coolest. So she was she was one of the boys. You know what I'm saying? So we're all piled up in this cab, and she looks over at me, and this big blonde chicken. But you couldn't tell it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> what did you do? Oh, I didn't do anything. I just, she goes, and she's from Jersey, you know, so she looks over and she goes, yo, cash. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she goes, you know that chick's got a dick, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can spot them a mile away. That chick's got a dick. So the girl kept looking, well, the guy, whatever, you know, kept checking me out and everything. Well, Fonzie was drunk and Fonzie didn't hook up with anybody, you know, so he was like, kind of on that guard, you know what I'm saying, that alpha male guard. So he started, like, just jumping up on it, you know, like talking and slurring his voice, you know, just, just drunk talking, shit like that, you know. So I started playing with him, you know, making it look like I was trying to pick her up, too. And uh, me and Donald's like, yeah, yeah, keep it going, keep it going. I think he's going for it, you know. <laughs> and then we got right to the thing, and uh, I fucking – we, we left, me and Donna and, uh, God, it was Danny Dorian and a couple of other people. We got out of the cab. And uh, we are like, come on, Fonzie, let's go. And he goes, oh, no, man, I, I, I'm going to ride on down the block <laughs> to another place. Two guys later, man. And then he's like, as he's pulling off, he's looking at me, giving me the middle finger, like, I got you, motherfucker, I got you. You know, that kind of stuff. He got the girl, right? So the next morning, uh, we saw him in the lobby, you know, it's time to go to the airport and stuff. He's like hung over and stuff like that. So he was like, um, I was like, Hey, what happened to that girl, man? He goes, Oh, Oh, uh, nothing, uh, nothing, man. Nothing. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Nothing. He goes, Oh, nothing, man. Nothing. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, uh, I was like, she's still in your room. No, 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 man. She, she's still in my room. So, <laughs> I don't and I don't know what happened with anybody because every you know people were just shit faced drunk and he looked like he was about ready to fall out at any minute anyway. <laughs> you know, me and a couple of the guys, uh, Nova, we ran back upstairs and uh, just to walk by his room. And as they were cleaning his room, you know, the the ladies were going in the rooms and stuff. <clears throat> we were like, "Hey, open that door right there, real quick. I left something." <laughs> And she opens up the door, and uh, we go in there, and that fucking dude or whatever it was, it's like, now, both beds were messed up. I'm not going to lie. Both beds were messed up, but the but the, the chick, the dude, whatever, was still sleeping in the other bed. So. <laughs> well, I mean, he could blow the hell out of that whistle. So, I mean, I imagine. <laughs> I'll let you stay in my room, baby, but you're going to sleep in the other bed. I'm not having it. <laughs> he blow the fucking I, whistle. I, I, <laughs> Well, the awesome. just him trying to fuck with me whenever we got out of the cab. He was sitting there shooting me the bird, you know, smiling. <laughs> I, got, I got her, motherfucker. I got her. You know. Who would you say your favorite writing partner was, and who would you say your least favorite person was in the dressing room, like your top in both of those categories? Who was the favorite person you'd like to see in the in the locker room or ride with? And who was the least favorite person that you would see in the locker room and you'd be like, oh, Jesus? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I've, I've rode with some really cool people. I used to ride with Benoit and Guerrero. Uh, they were awesome guys. Awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, Van Dam, awesome. Sabu was great, but he would get you in trouble. All the time. So, bam Bam Gordy or Bam Bam Bigelow? Oh, Bam Bam Gordy. Wow. Uh, awesome. 
Same name, Gordy. I grew up on Gordy. Yeah. Freebirds yeah. were awesome to me, yeah. man. I, I, I really liked them growing up. Nothing away from Bam Bam Bigelow. I right. Mean, but, you know, I like I said, I grew up on the NWA. I didn't yeah. get any Us of too. Us too. Northern wrestling until like the late, late 80s. You know, right. it was late. And uh, I didn't even see you know, WWE until like 1988. We were still yeah. bigger NWA WCW fans because it was more realistic. You know, you didn't have well, yeah. the cartoon characters. Well, you would have yeah. like people at school and they would say, yeah, I watch real wrestling. And say, well, you watch <laughs> it on Channel 21, TBS, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That must have been a universal channel. I've lived in Virginia, and it was always Channel 21 TBS. Yep, <laughs> yep. TBS. That was well. Uh, people I didn't like, I, I don't know, man. Uh, probably Hoover to Guerrero. I don't know, man. I mean, he's. I guess he's cool to some people, but he just was never impressive to me, you know. And his, he just was weird. <laughs> he's just, <laughs> just so weird, you know. Like he was on a bad trip and never came off of it or something. And just, <laughs> Which is possible. He could have been high on Hoovy Juice, you know. Never know. Yeah. <laughs> I never understood what Hoovy Juice was. I didn't either. I don't think he even knows what Hoovy Juice is. And what's, what's sad about it is he's still the same person. I saw him, uh, Winston-Salem, a bit of WrestleCon or something like that. And, and the poor guy, I mean, he's still, I don't know, man. You know, at some point in your career, you know, you slow down. It's just inevitable. You know, yeah. I mean, look, your looks are going to leave you. You know, I mean, it's it's just that's that's part of the business. I mean, right. you, you got to know that there's an end. And that's why when I retired, I knew that this was going to end. This can't last forever, <laughs> you know. Right. But some of these guys think that it's just going to last forever, you know. And I think Hoobie's one of those guys. Um, he just doesn't get it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know. There's a couple of guys like that, though. The, that Chase Stevens cat, he's, he's one of them, you know. Uh, he's an indie guy. Uh, never really liked seeing him too much. He's just bad news and, you know, trying to be a star so bad. You ever meet people like that? It oh, just, yeah. It, it just overtakes their lives. Right. They, live their, you know, they live their gimmick every day, you know, right. instead, of, instead of leaving it in the ring or in the dressing room going home you know I just think it's always going to be here and they they let their lives slip away from them you know uh Juventus, I he's different because he's such a star in mexico right so he'll probably if he hasn't already made a lot of money i'm sure he'll probably keep making money in mexico for over long you know because they they cherish their wrestlers you know what i'm saying right. And, right. 90 years old and make a comeback in mexico right. <laughs> and then, they'll, then they'll cherish his son and grandson Exactly. Just because so, of legacy. Some of these other guys, you know, like some of the guys like, you know, like, like Chase Stevens, you know, they, they got one little bite of something, you know, they got a little bit of TNA in them. And then that was it. I mean, if right. you think about it, their career never went anywhere else, but yet they're still trying to live that lifestyle. They're still trying to, you know, live that dream, which is fine. I mean, never give up on your dreams, but you also got to be smart enough to know when, when shit's about to, about to end for you. Right. <laughs> I mean. A lot of people get confused with, like, their perception and what really is, like, right. reality. They get confused you know? about how they start to put themselves over in their own minds. Like, this is where I was, and I was important, and they 
like overemphasize where they were in the business and make it seem like to themselves they should be doing more. Right. Well, I mean, you know, to be a completely honest with you, I mean, everybody kind of goes through it. You know yes. what I'm saying? Body. It just depends on your how strong of a will person you are. If you if you got more of a life to you than wrestling, some people live, breathe, and eat, sleep, and shit wrestling. You know, right. twenty four hours a day. And I'm gonna lie, I did too. But I was trying to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. I wanted to get to the WWE. I wanted to make that top money. I wanted to, you know, win those titles so I could be rich. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? But being famous was never really one of my main concerns. I wanted to make as much money as I was going to be allowed to make, and that I wanted to see how far that could go. And you know, of course, you know the only place you'll ever really make that is in the WWE. Now, right. then, you know, you know, ECW gave me my first big deal. You know, I had never made that kind of money before. And then when I went to WCW, it was a time and a half more than that one. You know, and I was like, wow. whoa, now what the fuck? You know, this is nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's what kept me in the business. It wasn't the fame and fortune. Well, it was the fortune, but not the fame. You know, it was. I could give a rat's ass if I ever wrestled on TV, you know, but as long as I got that big ass paycheck, <laughs> you know, right. and, yeah. you know, the games, you know, the, the video game royalties and the, you know, the DVDs and all that stuff to come along with it. You know, that's what impressed me, you know, and, you know, the traveling around the world, you know, that, that kept me in it for a long time too. You know, I get to travel around the world for free and they're actually paying me to do this shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And it's great. I'm in Rome right now. Oh my God. You know, I'm in and I'm in fucking Paris. I'm in places that I dreamed of going that I never figured that I would ever get to go. In 25 years, I, I wound up, you know, stepping my feet in over 52 countries. I got three passports <laughs> three, because they're all stamped up. Right. Damn. That's awesome. Well, man, we have held you for over an hour here. We're going to have to cut it off right here, but we didn't even get to. MMA. We didn't get to a lot of the WWE stuff. We're going to have to have you back sometime and talk to you again, man, and uh, definitely have you on again. Uh, is there anything that you would like to promote? I know you said something earlier about a school. Yeah, well, uh, it, it's not complete yet, but right. uh, I'm the project manager for a, a nationwide construction company. And um, they it's, it's basically built through investors. And uh, one of our investments, well, the, one of the company's investments is uh, the East Town Mall in Knoxville. Nice. So they've uh, invested for me to put uh, a wrestling and MMA school uh, inside. Wow. And uh, they're financing, you know, all the equipment and stuff. Of course, it's going to be a partnership, you know, you know, that kind of a thing with, right. you know, how it's all going to work out. My, my, my gym, my company, but. You know, they get a royalty and, you know, payment and stuff, of course, you know, for putting up everything up front and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's, it's a really nice 6,700 square feet, 24-foot uh, uh, cage with a 20-by-20 ring, uh, wrestling ring. Uh, we're, what we're teaching is uh, Krav Maga and Aikido, uh, grapple wrestling, striking, and then professional wrestling. Wow. So, and you couldn't yeah. ask for a better spot to be right there in the middle of that mall. That's awesome. Yeah, and and, and right in the middle of Knoxville. You wow. know, so it, we're looking to open it up completely by July first. That's what we're trying to. That's what we're shooting for. But yeah, so it's it's going to be a, a really nice 
Jed Jam has got some really nice equipment in it. Uh, we went went all out, really, and uh, we didn't get the, the the top of the line stuff, but we got everything brand new, everything you know ready to be broke in, man. Awesome. Well, man, yep. as soon as that comes up, just let us know. We'll throw some promotion out there for you. Oh and yeah, it'll be on Twitter, my Facebook, and stuff like that. We'll my definitely. Instagram. We'll definitely plug yeah. it for you. But, man, uh, we appreciate you being on with us today. It was awesome to have you on. We're going to have to have yeah. you back, talk MMA and stuff with you, too, yeah. because we do that as well. And anytime you want to come back, man, just let us know, and we'll have you on. We really appreciate I'll be, it. You call me, I'll, I'll talk, bro. <laughs> <laughs> when you go shopping for wine, do you look at the labels? Do you stare at the price and wonder if the wine is worth the expensive tag? Well, stop it, because Wine of the Month Club has you covered. Every month, Wine of the Month Club is going to send you two bottles of high-quality wine right to your front door. And what better way to say I'm thinking of you than a subscription to the original Wine of the Month Club for a friend or a sweetheart. Each month, they'll be reminded of your thoughtfulness and will receive the monthly wine letter and newsletter binder. Recipes, wine knowledge, and great wine, and the opportunity to get more of their favorites is at hand. Give with confidence and joy, knowing that you're a part of the original Wine of the Month Club. By the way, there are no dues, no fees, no hidden charges. Cancel any time with no obligation. Just pay no more than $23.96 plus shipping for two great bottles of wine. Go there now. Sign up by visiting our link, tinyurl.com slash p3wine. That's tinyurl.com slash p3wine. The Wine of the Month Club, the original wine club since 1972. Well, the sound of that song means we've reached the end of another episode of P3 Radio. We'd like to thank Kid Cash one more time for stopping by and talking to us today. We'd like to invite everybody back to look at our archives, check out some of our previous interviews like Superstar Bill Dundee, our Spellbinder, the first WWE developmental guy. But Josh, if they want to find us on Facebook, where do they go? Go to the search bar, type in Pop Poncho, and you're bound to see our picture. If they want to follow us on Twitter, where do they go to do that? P3 Radio 1. And if you'd like to send us a text or a phone call message, 731-300-6675. 731-300-6675. And, of course, our email is P3 Radio 1. Uno at gmail.com. P3radio1 at gmail.com. Well, that's going to do it for us. For Josh Browley, this is Richard Mulligan saying thank you one more time and good night. What do you think? Well, I was fading out, but...